It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. Even looking at things through our 2020 goggles, shit is jacked up to an 11 right now, folks. This week, when I heard a group of people in my own community marching and shouting, Death to America, that shit shook me. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, do they understand what that insinuates? Death to America means death to democracy. And I don't care where on the political spectrum you identify, death to democracy is the last thing this world needs. We the people is us. We are the majority. And shit feels fucked up because the underbelly of humanity is being exposed right now. We are in the uncomfortable parts of change. And to be honest, I can't think of any meaningful change I've experienced in my life that was easy. There's always discomfort and most times, pain. That doesn't mean we should cut the cord on democracy. It just means, hey, good morning. You're awake. Welcome to real life. We've got work to do together as a collective community of human beings, as a majority. Why on earth would we destroy that by giving our power away to a few who don't tell us shit from Shinola what their plan is and what role we play in it? I'm not climbing any higher on this soapbox, but I highly encourage adults to re-educate yourself on the various forms of government practiced around the world what those cultures are like for the working class people there, and compare and contrast that to living in the United States of America. And if you're a parent, 
please do this exercise with your child, your children. Individual freedom and democracy are being challenged in this country, and we all need to have our eyes, ears, and mouths wide open. Understand what's at stake and what you personally, you and your family, what you stand to lose if we lose democracy. Today's guest on the podcast served in the United States military to protect the freedoms that we currently enjoy. He now runs a cannabis business dedicated to serving the veterans community. Brian Buckley is co-founder of Hellman Valley Growers Company, a cannabis brand dedicated to ending the opioid and suicide epidemic plaguing our nation's heroes. HVGC collaborates with cannabis growers and researchers, doctors, government representatives, and veterans in need of support to help change the laws for veterans' services and health care. That's a whole bunch of different groups coming together for a similar cause. Do you see what they did there? That, to me, says we are stronger together than we are divided. Of course, we don't have to agree. And I'm going to love you anyway, and I'm going to celebrate your right to respectfully share your own voice and vibe. So let's raise a bong for democracy and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one Brian, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, and thank you for your service. Well, thank you for paying your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't know if I can right now. Shit, times <laughs> well, are tough. This is true. This is true. Well, I would love to start out this conversation um, learning about why you were inspired to serve our country. You know, like there is a a need for people to speak about this stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, patriotism is important for democracy, and I want you to kind of inspire the listeners first. Absolutely. So I grew up in a town called Doylestown, Pennsylvania. It's right outside Philadelphia, and it is a very big football town. So if you grew up and you're a male, chances were you go to play football. So while I was there, I was getting recruited by the Naval Academy, and I, I remember how excited my dad was. He's like, oh, wow, look, the Naval Academy. And I was just not there. I was kind of like, I'm going to go to college, grow my hair long, play football, drink some beers, maybe go <laughs> to class, all that good stuff. And then I woke up on September 11th, 2001, grabbed some Cheerios. I was in my apartment and turned the TV on. And I remember seeing the one tower uh, smoking, and I just thought, did not remember the 1993 bombing being that bad. Like, I just thought they were showing a replay of something. So I got a call from my buddy Dave Armstrong, who was at the University of Michigan at the time, and he is just kind of like, what is going on? Kind of freaking out. And then that's when you saw the second plane hit. And I was like, whoa, this is getting a little nuts. And like everything, we kind of learned that we were under attack at that point. So went down to the uh, practice facility. I remember I jumped up on the table to get taped up. Uh, the trainer's like, I don't think we taped today. Uh, we had probably about 14 guys on our team from New York City. I was at the University of Massachusetts at, at this time. And we had three big screen TVs in the locker room and we're just watching. Our coach came in, kind of addressed some things. And then he's like, why don't we go outside and do what they call quick whiz practice where we just throw our helmets on, just kind of get our fitting. 
And one of the captains stood up and said, I don't think we practice today. And he's like, that is fine. He's like, everyone go home, call your loved ones. Let them know what you're thinking. He goes, I do not think we're going to play this weekend because the week that JFK was killed, the commissioner said his biggest regret was playing football that weekend. So it's just one of those things that stuck in my mind. Like this is a really big deal at my young age of what's happening to our country. So five of us lived in the apartment together. Went out, got some cases of beer, and we're just sitting there kind of talking tough at the TV. And literally, I walked into the uh, bathroom. I just looked at myself in the mirror and just said to myself, it's time for me to go earn my citizenship. Um, you know, before walking in there, I remember they're showing some of the people jumping from the towers. And I just saw this woman jump. And, you know, I was just thinking of what she must have been going through to say, this is my best option. And something just really stuck to me that she was holding her dress down. And even though she was facing certain deaths, she was still doing it on her terms. And to me, that's just America, um, that no matter what you put us up against or whatever may happen, we're going to do things the way we want to do and do it in a respectful manner. And I don't know. She was just everyone that day to me. So um, did kind of kept that to myself, finished out the season, uh, explained to my parents what I wanted to do. They're in a little bit of disbelief. Then I went back and explained to the coaches, um, you know, I was going to stop playing football and transfer to uh, Villanova University and went into the ROTC program for two years. Once I graduated that, I became a second lieutenant in the United States Marine Corps and deployed. I joined uh, 2nd Battalion, 8th Marines in the infantry, uh, deployed to Iraq in Fallujah. Uh, when I came back, they said, hey, you did a pretty good job. We're going to, you know, maybe speed you up a little bit and we're going to have you try out for a Marine reconnaissance. So I went and tried out for them and made that, and they rewarded me, sending me back to Iraq six months later. So I did another tour uh, all throughout Al-Anbar province at that point. And when I returned from that, uh, we sat down and kind of had a discussion about my career. I was a first lieutenant at the point, and uh, we decided, and mainly just by my urging, this new thing that stood up in the Marine Corps called Marine Corps Special Operations Command, known now as Marine Raiders, stood up, and I wanted to go try out for that. So trained for about six months, uh, went to selection. There was a lot of people there, and I think about 25 of us made it out. And from there on out, I was a team commander in Marine Special Operations and uh, conducted deployments uh, in Africa, Southeast Asia, as well as Afghanistan. So that was kind of my journey through the military right there. So how many years was all of that? Nine years. Okay. You leaving special ops and moving back into the world of civilians, mm -hmm. like what was the catalyst for that? Well, when you're about to hit your 10-year mark, they kind of have you. At 20 years, you you can retire on full benefits and everything from the military. Um, I was staring down the barrel of being a major, uh, which you're no longer a team commander. You're kind of not leading the Blue Arrow anymore, as they say. You're kind of more pushing the Blue Arrow, and you're just kind of back and doing your thing, making sure. Does this sure. mean you have a desk job? Exactly. Okay. You know, so we say it's like you kind of lose your spurs a little bit. So, And I had a, an absolute amazing time being a team commander, and I, and I think it's the best profession you can have in the Marine Corps. Um, so I just something was pulling me, saying there might be something different here I want to do. I was looking at politics. But what really struck me was, you know, in some of the countries I was in, there's a lot of uneducated people being taken advantage of. And some places where I was in like the Southeast Asia area, um, people they selected to educate, I thought they were out, out cycling us. And to have a successful democracy, you need smart people who can go and create things and make the whole entire system work. And 
I thought maybe I could get into a higher education and help with that. Um, so I did that for approximately three years, but it just, I, there was an itch out there and it was kind of still, I, I really needed to get back and serve my country. And when I really started seeing what was going on with the veterans, uh, myself being hundred percent disabled and kind of what we have to go through, I just thought there might be some other options out there. And that's where the kind of the birth of our nonprofit Battle Brothers Foundation took flight. And from there, we really started looking at what medical cannabis was doing. Um, our chief cultivator, Andy Myers, another Marine Raider with me, I mean, he's the one who kind of said, you know, I gave up a, a fifth of Jack for a joint and I'm really enjoying cultivating. It's really helped me transition from a warrior to a gardener. And that's when we said, hey, let's just not be a veteran advocacy group. Let's see if we can really move the dial here and change the medical landscape for our veterans. So the Battle Brothers program, a lot of that is focused around healing. Mm, absolutely. And so this reentry from living a military life and having your brothers with you mm -hmm. to then now being back with maybe a family that you haven't seen in a really long time or whatever. Sure. I know there's that transition can be rough. Some of my very dear friends are ex-military, mm -hmm. and so I've talked with them over the years during these struggles, things that they didn't feel like they felt comfortable talking to their spouse about or something. Yeah. So, you know, what are some of those things that the Battle Brothers program is is helping these veterans with as they transition? We went with a three-tier approach of like a personal, medical, and economic. So personal side is just kind of to your, what you just brought up. It's like a big brother, big sister network. You, you get paired up with another veteran who successfully transitioned, and they're just there for you to just talk, whether it be in the middle of the night or you want to go get coffee, whatever it may be. Uh, medical side, we look at the veteran's VA disability claim. We want to make sure that they got the rating that they deserve and also the benefits that go with that for their family. Uh, if we do have veterans who are suffering with alcohol, opiates, PTS, or all of the above, we can send them to treatment centers and some really nice ones free of charge just so they can kind of take a knee and recalibrate themselves and get back out there into the fight. And then on the, the final part of the, med uh, of the medical side is our medical cannabis research where we have partnered up with a firm called Niamedic. Uh, they're based off Israel. They came into Orange County, uh, California, probably about in 2017. And just an amazing group. Um, and what we're doing is we have our first institutional review board study under review right now, but that would be going after the symptoms of post-traumatic stress utilizing medical, uh, medical cannabis. And then the final part is economic, and it's finding that veteran a job, giving them that sense of purpose like they had in the military so they don't go and make a mistake that they potentially may not be able to come back from. And it's not like, you know, you got to start at point A and go to point B or whatever it may be. It's customized to the vet. I mean, sometimes we have guys like, hey, I don't think my VA disability claim was done right. Can you help? Or can you help me find a job? Or, hey, I, I, you know, my friend over here is having some issues with alcohol or whatever it may be. And we just kind of customize it to that veteran just so they can go out and achieve what they need to. So you're based in Southern California in San Diego. Yes. But is this resource available to veterans all over the country? Like, you know, they can call in and have appointments? Absolutely. Yeah. So we have helped uh, veterans out in Texas. Uh, we will start working a little bit more on the East Coast, obviously, with things that happened over this past six months have kind of slowed things down. But whatever we can do besides the, the cannabis side, we can help out nationwide at this point. Mm -hmm. I believe that this 
this journey from leaning on opioids and and how you know keeping things to yourself it's almost like this isolation that sets in with a lot of people who have recurring pain mm-hmm. or post traumatic stress things like that and so introducing the idea of cannabis in lieu of these things i mean it's super beneficial but i i think the the talk therapy is a big piece of it do y'all have big group sessions where you get together and Talk about how all of this is working and how these transitions go. We do. Uh, we're going to do a little bit more, and we're definitely going to do it in some of the cannabis lounges as well so people can kind of just get together and just kind of talk because what we've seen is with isolation, it's kind of almost like kind of fascinating. They really didn't have these shell shock or post-traumatic stress issues like they're seeing now and they really start seeing in Vietnam was the way that we deployed and redeployed troops was on a boat. So they would be spending two weeks on a boat going to Europe or Japan or wherever it may be. Then they spend two weeks coming back. And, you know, you just might be sitting down in a chow hall and just be like, I, you know, I saw this kind of crazy incident. You might think you're alone. And the person across from you is like, I, you know, I experienced something very similar. And then you can kind of open up and start talking about it. And what we started doing in special operations was called a third level decompression. So when we came back for a week, we were in a resort. And wives couldn't come, families couldn't be there. We just had our therapist was there, our uh, physical therapist were there, psychologist. We had people ready to drive us wherever we want to go in the middle of the night. Didn't matter. The cops understood what was going on, and it was just kind of our way of kind of getting back and readjusting and having some conversations and maybe getting some things off our chest before we fully reintegrated with our family. Because you know, you look at people in Vietnam; they might have been in a hellacious firefight, and then forty-eight hours later. They're in bed with their wife with the screaming kid they just met, and they're trying to put some pieces back together and just really struggling. And we kind of are trying to replicate that a little bit with Battle Brothers Foundation. It's just kind of having that social society where we can all sit and talk and get some things off their chest and maybe ask advice, whatever it may be. But just having people talk and getting out of isolation is very therapeutic. God, I love that. That's so important. And so in order to fund this veterans operation, Mm -hmm. y'all had the fabulous idea of building your own adult use cannabis brand. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. So that was really interesting. We were trying to figure out how to do the research and just building out models. I mean, it would have been like 2.5 million in before we even saw one red penny. We're like, that just isn't sustainable. So it was really looking at a Paul Newman salad dressing bottle where it said 100% of profits to charity. And I was like, okay, is that like legit? How does that work? And you know, I always tell people in startups, make sure you have a good CPA and a good lawyer and just make sure everything's on the up and up. And uh, they're like, that totally is. So we're like, well, what a fantastic way to get our brand out there, kind of do a call to arms to the cannabis community and utilize our profits that we from our sales to help fund our research. And, you know, our, I think our study design was around $50,000. And that was and that's a five zero. Um, that all came from profits of uh, Hellman Valley Growers Company. So essentially, the cannabis community paid for this first study, which is pretty exciting. Nice. That's so good. Yeah. So for people that want to support your efforts, they can purchase your product anywhere in California or where are y'all located right now? We have a strong presence in uh, Southern California. We're starting to move into Orange County. We have some shops in Long Beach and out in the desert, uh, Palm Springs area. We are located in a couple shops here up in Sacramento. And then there is a delivery service, uh, Lucky Box Club. Also, number uh, he played at my same high school, so it's kind of funny how that works out. Um, but he's up here in Northern California. They do deliveries up here, so um, you can definitely get it from them as well. Good. 
So what are other ways that civilians like me who want to support our veterans, what are some other things that we can do to help? You know, I think one of the things that's difficult for veterans is sometimes people treat them like victims. They're like, oh, like they're a little bit nervous around them. I mean, one of my friends was ready to pop a balloon by me and they're like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, go for it. Pop too. I don't care. You know, but it's almost like people are kind of like on on edge with them. It's just just treat them normal. I mean, they went, they served, they did amazing things, and they just kind of want to come back and, you know, live the American dream they fought so hard to defend and just help support them. I mean, help mentor them, help do whatever, help build a resume, just help them get on their feet and get them going because they're going to have that natural loyalty and hard work ability within them, and they're going to do some great things. I just think it's kind of helping maybe give them a little rudder steer left or right, and they'll find the way. Yeah, hire them. Absolutely. 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 I would love to hear if you're willing or if you can, Mm -hmm. any success stories maybe from the Battle Bins program. I think one that's really was important to us was we had a Vietnam veteran who served in the United States Navy and he's classified as like blue water Navy. So they were just kind of on the big boats in the ocean. And he is no doubt was impacted by Agent Orange. But the Congress, United States Congress won't recognize that until 2021. And he's has Parkinson's, he's has brain surgeries, backs fused. I mean, it's just hard for the guy to get around. And he's just been fighting this uphill battle forever. So we took it on and it took us about eight or nine months. Um, but we finally got him up to 100% disability due to his post-traumatic stress. And 100% is 100%. So it's just a great day where he got a lot of money, hit his bank account. People came into the house, started kind of refurbing it for him, getting him a wheelchair that he needed and all the benefits that he's missed out on uh, for decades. Is He's finally getting taken care of and... You know, we didn't see anything monetarily out of that, but just that might be one of the best paychecks of my life is, you know, seeing the look on him and his wife's face that this was taken care of. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. I have heard from several veterans the feeling that they feel like they don't matter or they're a piece of shit when they get home and they're quote unquote broken. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true because, I mean, you got to think about what some of these vets were doing and some of the massive responsibility that was put on their shoulders at a very young age. And then they come back and people might be acting a little different than they're used to in the military. Maybe, you know, like you never really heard of a sick day in the military. If you if you had the sniffles, you went to work. I mean, but sometimes I, I see people kind of get on the edge like, are you kidding me? You know, and just it's, it's, it's just not going to be the same. And that is kind of some of the process that they have to go through and I think that they struggle with. Um, And that's where they maybe sometimes just go, hey, you know what? I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if I have a purpose. And they go into that isolation state. And then, you know, sadly, more times than not, they they end up, you know, doing something very bad to themselves. And that's what we want to do is just make sure that they know, like, one, you're not alone. There's more than you realize who go through what you do every day. And you know, it's now t- our turn to help you live what you've fought so hard for us for. Um, and that's kind of this whole thing. It's just about giving these great men and women their, their opportunity and let them go off and do some great things. I always preach about unconditional love and mm-hmm. kindness. And it doesn't matter whether or not we're talking about veterans or abused children mm-hmm. or, you know, underpaid teachers showing someone unconditional love and kindness and hearing them and seeing them, you know, those sorts of things are so important. And the communication piece is really 
ultimately what helps people get over that hump and oh, to sure. find that self-love and that worthiness. And yep. so, you know, being in isolation is never going to help you no. get out of it. You know, yeah. you have to have that first conversation. You have to reach out, ask for help. And and if you see somebody that's hurting and they're not asking for help, then you say, hi, how are you? Yeah, very true. And, and that's a great point is, you know, making that engagement. And then at the end of the day, it's got to be that person's choice that they said, okay, every decision I've made has got me to here. I got to raise my hand and say, someone help me. And it's okay. I mean, we, we all need help. I always tell people, the day you think you know everything is the day you should just go retire and sit on your rocking chair on your porch because you're done. You know, you're not going to do anything else in your life. But if you just want to be one of those people who just kind of keeps improving and learning more and redefining themselves, I think that's a great way of going through life. I mean, you, you got only one shot at this thing, and I know how it ends up for all of us at the end. So you live it to this foolish, you know. That's right. So if people wanted to raise their hand, reach out, how do they find the Battle Brothers program? Yeah, on our website, uh, we have battlebrothersfoundation.org. Uh, you can go in there. You can click on and message us. Uh, also on the uh, Hellman Valley website, hvgcompany.com, uh, you can go on there and you can send us a message and just say, hey, this is what's going on. We've, we've received messages from both sides of the house, which is fine. Um, and then we can kind of reach out and see what we can do. Awesome. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you that is an important piece to this puzzle? Well, I think the name Hellman Valley Growers Company and kind of where that came from. Okay. Um, you know, we served uh, as Marine Raiders. We served in an area called the Hellman Province in Afghanistan, and it was by far the most volatile area. And within our unit, when you served there, you became part of the Hellman Valley Gun Club and you get an HVGC uh, tattoo on yourself. So we really wanted to keep a military niche to this program, and we just threw HVGC up on the wall and came up with Hellman Valley Growers Company. And we briefed all the boys, and we're like, is everyone cool with this? Because we got to kind of trademark this and do all that stuff. And they were like, hey, not only are we cool, but when we get out, we want a job with you guys because we think this is really exciting. Uh, so it was kind of our homage back to the military for what we're doing. And remember the people who fought in Afghanistan, in particular, the Hellman province, and then if you take a look at our uh, at our logo, you're going to see the the cannabis flower, but also a five star combination. That's a star constellation. It's known as the Southern Cross. It can only be seen in, in uh, the South Pacific. And the Marine Raiders of World War II, would, during the island hopping campaign, would use it as celestial navigation to get them to and from the objective. And that's where we just wanted to incorporate that in a sense where we're saying. You, you know, you guys have gone forward, you fought, and you're back here physically, but maybe you're not back here spiritually. And here at Hellman Valley Growers, we want to kind of be that guiding light, like I said before, to let them go live that American dream they fought so hard to defend. That is a beautiful story. <laughs> Thank you so An much. excellent <laughs> trivia for down the road. There you go. <clears throat> so one thing that I didn't ask you that came to mind was, so you've been working with these researchers, mm -hmm. and you've completed this first study. Now, you're going back to our government to say, hey, we need to change our veterans' health care. Absolutely. The uh, end state is, you know, once we get approval for this institutional review board and for people out there, why that's significant, that means that medical has approved us for human trials. Um, and that will be one of the first of its kind on a private side. There's been some institutional studies with medical cannabis. 
um, and some at the uh, college levels, but this was the first time a private company has taken it on, and (laughs) it is as advertised. It's pretty difficult, but we're going to get there. Uh, So once we achieve that IRB, we are going to go to D.C. Uh, We're going to knock on doors. We're going to become friends with both Democrats and Republicans, just introduce them what we're doing. This first phase will be more of a fact-finding, just finding out what genetics are working out best with the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Once we have that dialed in, we'll go back and grow it. We'll do a more robust study here in California with about 200 veterans. Uh, this will be administered uh, via tincture. And then once that hits the way we, we really believe it will, we will move it into either Michigan or Oklahoma. We're looking at to do a quick retrospective study, same genetics, keep everything the same way, veterans with post-traumatic stress. And at that point, we have it. That's when we go back from Congress and raise the right hand. And I'll be like, here's your data. Here's your American doctors. Can we make this thing federally legal at this time? Boom. Yep. Just that easy. <laughs> yeah, just that easy. I dig it. But, you know, you're, you're special ops. You know how to make this yeah, stuff happen. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think Oklahoma is an exciting new cannabis state. It is really exciting. Um, Oklahoma. Um, there's a couple out there that I'm also like, I think Arizona is going to be a pretty good one. And I'm interested to see what happens with like Pennsylvania and New York. They're in a, a little bit of a bind. And I think they're going to accelerate the adult use side. And um you know, as long as everyone keeps the taxes nice, like Oklahoma, it's amazing what can can be accomplished. You kind of hope California would look maybe in the Midwest a little bit more and see how they're doing business. And I think it could accelerate things here for us as well. Well, and I think that's one of the smart things about being the 13th or 14th or 15th person to the party. Yeah, right. Is that exactly. you've got to kind of check out what everybody else is doing yeah. and say, okay, this is working. This isn't working. Yeah. And, you know, and of course... Each state, the people are completely different in their culture. Mm -hmm. And so you know what you can push through and what's going to maybe take a little longer. But Oklahoma is definitely Wild West. Yeah, yeah. It's doing really great out there. I think they're still in a hyper growth and we'll see how long that keeps going. But yeah, they're, they're doing it right. Well, thank you for hanging out with me. Are you guys active on social media? Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, very active on uh, HVG Company on Instagram. So if you guys want to follow that, we update it uh, daily uh, along with our website, hvgcompany.com. And we're very transparent. We're going to be an open book. So once we do get this research going, we're going to be blogging about what we're finding and you know, even have a couple of vets let, let them take you on the journey with them of what they're experiencing and going through the process. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, good luck to you. And just know that I am here to help in whatever way to promote what you guys are doing. Love it. That's my contribution to your efforts. We love it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for hanging out. Anytime. I encourage you to learn more about Hellman Valley Growers Company and the Battle Brothers program by visiting the podcast 150 show notes at casuallybaked.com. Men like Brian make me proud to be an American, where I can freely choose how to live my life. I'm free and empowered to share my ideas on a podcast and pump out cannabis education and cultural content for you to consider every week. And you, you're free to take it or leave it. Freedom of speech is foundational to democracy. So please exercise your First Amendment rights. If you don't like what's happening around you and you want change, be the change. That's what I do. And I challenge you to walk the walk and talk the talk. Dedicate yourself to honorably representing your values, not burning the damn house down. 
and be of service in a meaningful way that honors yourself and your community. Don't isolate. Offer love, kindness, and hope to everyone in whatever way you can, especially to those you see in the struggle. Even if it's simply a loving thought of peace as you pass by them on the street. Stay connected to the whole of your community. And call the veterans in your life for periodic check-ins. Ask how they're doing. And do not settle for fine as a response. Tell them about the Battle Brothers program so they can expand their support network. And share this podcast with them. And check on your neighbors and the elderly people around you. Make sure they have what they need and know they are loved and not forgotten. Right now, turning off the television and staying connected through the lens of love is the most powerful, insane thing we can do for ourselves. For our wellness, our families, our communities, and our country. And if this all sounds like too much to you, Before your next smoke sesh, ask Mama Cannabis to guide you to more meaning and connection within your community. You'll come up with a way that works for you, but just stay connected. If you want to share thoughts with me, I'm at Casually Baked on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also message me through the website at casuallybaked.com. I'm telling you, cannabis is an excellent connector. Reconnecting with ourselves, reconnecting with the people that we love in our communities. So you know what to do. Puff, puff, pass it on. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta, The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories 
and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.